Hello and welcome. You're streaming another stellar episode of Mac Watson Talks, voted best podcast by the readers of Phoenix Magazine for 2022. On this episode, Alex Jones owes a billion dollars, and rightfully so. Also, the Laurie Vallow Daybell story keeps getting weirder and weirder. We've got the latest on her trial. And Glendale tries to outlaw panhandling. Can they do that? All that and more is coming up, so let's get started. This is episode 218. Okay, a lot to cover this week. Uh, sorry about last week, but uh, I found out I had cancer. So we couldn't really do a podcast last week, so I'm sorry about that. Um, but we're here this week? We are. We are. We are here this week, and we've got a plan. We're going to move on. And we'll be back next week. And and if you haven't heard the news yet, um, next week, next Friday, if you're a patron on Patreon, yeah, you can come, anybody who's a patron, whether you're a $5 patron or a $100 patron, you get to come to our Ask Me Anything this month because there's so many things people want to ask us about. From, That's right. From cancer to Rico Suave, who's our new puppy to you know whatever else that it may be burning questions on your mind so if you want to be a part of that video chat which is always super fun it's on zoom become a patron on patreon and then you'll be able to access the link and come and join us next friday at six o'clock phoenix time it should be a lot of fun right and hopefully a lot of questions uh, a lot of questions mm-hmm. yeah well there's always lots of questions yeah i keep biting my tongue is that a sign of something i keep biting the right side of my tongue every time i talk I don't know. Maybe my tongue is swelling. You ever think that? Maybe you're tongue-tied. No, I could be tongue-tied. Right. Uh, let's get into some news. Um, first off, let's talk football. We usually don't talk sports on this, but the Las Vegas Raiders wide receiver, Devontae Adams, has been cited for assault. Now, this is what he did. He's been cited for assault after he pushed a photographer to the ground at Arrowhead Stadium after Monday night's game against the Chiefs. Now, you and I saw this, and we had very different reactions. Your reaction was what? Well, the NFL is just men behaving badly. Yes. Always. Like, right. You know, uh, assaulted their wife, men behaving badly. Yes. You know, in a car wreck after drinking, men behaving badly. You don't hear these kind of stories. You rarely hear these kind of stories about hockey players. Right. But the NFL is just full of men behaving badly and, and I getting thought, away with it usually. Usually the police don't charge them with anything. I thought the guy faked it. It looked like he looked like a kindergartner bouncing off, you know, bouncing off somebody. I thought he was faking it. But the photographer claimed he was injured and called police after after he was taken to the hospital to be checked out. The the citation says he suffered whiplash, a headache and possibly a minor concussion. But the fact is, is that it wasn't like, oops, I accidentally backed into you. Right. It's like, right. I'm mad and I just shoved you. Now, in his... In, to, and he's not even the guy that, that was on the field that was on the at the play against you. Right. Right. But to be fair, he did apologize when he was in the locker room. He apologized for his actions, but he's still going to be charged. In the locker room. Did he help the guy up? Did he go over and go, oh, dude, sorry. No, he accident. kicked him. No. He, right. he kicked him in the head before exactly. he left. No, he didn't. Exa- he didn't do anything on the field because he was mad and he did it intentionally. I just can't believe people are that rude. I really don't. And why would you do it when there's cameras all over you? Oh, I know. I know. It's just stupid to do. But I thought the way the, this guy looked like a ragdoll bouncing it's off It's not of basketball. Him. Basketball players always do that where they're like super dramatic about right. being touched by another basketball player. Right. I don't think photographers are that way. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, uh, I just had to get that off my chest because you and I saw that a little differently uh, when we saw it on Monday Night Football. 
Let's get into some news about uh, Lori Vallow Daybell's trial. Now, oh, our favorite doomsday mom from the Valley. Yeah, right. Now, what is going on with her trial? Because the judge, Stephen Boyce, suspended her trial until her competency can be established. What does that mean? Well, it means that she, that they, she has been evaluated by court-appointed um, like psychiatrists, psychologists, and that they say she is not competent to stand trial. So there's 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 different kinds of competency. There's the kind that says I was I was insane at the time I committed the crimes, right. and I have no idea what I was doing. Okay, and so that's like you know guilty by me, but in, but insane or whatever. Um, but there's also this idea that you aren't even competent to currently in your current state to understand the proceedings against you. Right. And that is a right. You have the right to understand the proceedings against you. And if you are not mentally competent and, and, and capable of understanding the proceedings against you, then the proceedings can be put on hold without jeopardizing due process or timely that you're supposed to be have a timely trial until you sell such time as you can be made competent or that you become competent. So sometimes people can't become competent because they get enough, you know, counseling and work on PTSD and they come out the other side of it and they're like, whoa. You know, kind of like they were in this this days after this post traumatic or right. something. But sometimes it's more like they were they they're just the actual crime caused them to suddenly go into this spiral or whatever it is. And so for whatever reason, she's been found not competent to currently stand trial. Is this a delay tactic though? Is this is this a tactic by her lawyer? Well. Oh, I mean, yes, her attorneys wanted her to be to be evaluated for competency because for, also if you don't have your client evaluated for competency and it's later found that they were incompetent. Now you're now as an attorney, you will be found incompetent by the by the appellate courts. So it's part of the attorney's competency is to find out if they're if their client is competent. Right. The other part of it, I do believe, is a little bit of maneuvering to separate her trial from Chad Daybell's. Okay, Chad Daybell was was the guy that she was married to when her kids were killed, and they were in Hawaii, right? Right, and he's okay. also charged with, with killing his late wife. Yes. Um, and being accessory to the um, killing of her children, and then and then covering it up afterwards because it was it, they were he, they were buried on his property, and he did some things to try to make it look like it was like they buried some animals or something, and even like sent text messages to people saying, "Oh, I buried a big raccoon or something." Yeah. So. I think he is the least likable of the two of them in terms of, of like in a jury. And if you're her attorney, you don't want them tried together. But up until this point, the judge said, no, we're trying them together. The crimes were committed essentially together. They were part of a greater scheme and they will be tried together. So the, it, it makes sense for her attorneys not to want her tried with him because he looks like the mastermind. But she could go down because she was his, you know, co-conspirator. So do do, do you think she's going to turn state's witness on him uh, if she's ever found competent? Or do you think they'll be tried no, together? I, I don't think she'll turn state's witness because I think there's two. She'd have to plead guilty. There, there, there's no there's no state's witness. You don't you were going to drop the charges against you. It's it's you know you are guilty as well. You, she would have to plead guilty, and they would be taking like taking the death penalty off the right. table or something. Right. But right now, that's this is not a plea maneuver. This is a competency 
you know, maneuver. And, and it means that now they're, they'll be tried separately. Because his will continue to move forward. Oh, so, okay. So if because six, he's competent. Right. So if in six months they find her to be competent, they're not going to suddenly put their trials back together. Right. Because her defense team wouldn't have been moving along with the same sort of discovery and stuff that his was and the same all the pretrial conferences and everything. So now that it is that what this has essentially done is made it so they will be tried separately. That's good news for her. And for Chad Daybell, I don't think it makes a difference. It's not like it's bad news for him. It's it's not either way for him because the jury doesn't get to consider whether that she's incompetent to stand trial or any of those kinds of things. It's just that we're this is we're trying him right now here in this courtroom and you can't make assumptions about why she didn't testify or why she's not being tried right now. And. You know, and you have to put aside everything you've heard outside the courtroom because you're not going to be able to find a jury that hasn't heard about the case. But you have to find a jury that's willing to put aside everything they heard outside the the courtroom and only consider what's presented inside the courtroom. Now, this is not the first time that her competency has come up during the case. So how many times do you get a, a you know, a free pass or a get out of jail free card this on a, your competency but it's not a get out during of jail. a trial? It's not no, a get I know. Out of jail. I'm just I'm just saying it's really it's a how get many out times of jail and, and head to the state hospital. OK. But how many times do you get before they say you'll never be competent? We have to put you in a mental institution. Well, that's where she's not in jail right now. If she's not competent to stand trial, she's probably actually been transferred to a mental facility to whatever the Idaho State Hospital or of some sort. And that's where she will be held until they can deem her competent. And at some point, I mean, I don't know how what it is in Idaho in particular, but after a certain number of years or whatever, they may just say that they're they're putting her trial indefinitely on hold oh, okay. because she will never be competent. But there's always the chance that she will be and that state is not going to be penalized for her incompetency that they won't be able to bring their case before a jury and, and see her um, convicted. So. For now, it, I mean, it just means that until they can find, deem her competent. And the thing about that is, is it may be, a, you know, trial and error and trying to get her on medications that work because not all medications work for all people in the same ways. It may be about getting some counseling. It may, yeah. you know, all, it could be any number of things. Obviously, none of those things are going to be released to the press because it's her own private health. We do actually do give people privacy for their health, even if they're, you know, being charged with crimes. And so but what we do know is that is that the court found that she's not competent to stand trial. So and and I'm not sure why this is happening, but they're in Idaho, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, here's something I don't understand, though. If they're still in Idaho, are they going to be tried in Idaho or are they going to be tried in Arizona? Oh, no. There's no... No, it's Idaho. Uh, it, because Idaho that's is, where the crime was committed, that's right? That's where the crimes were committed. If there if there are crimes in Arizona, that and there are potentially crimes in Arizona that have to do with her ex-husband, right. remember, who, yeah. who her brother Suspiciously shot, died. shot yeah. in self-defense, and now that case has been reopened, and, and potentially she could be charged as having been a co-conspirator in his in his in his planned like premeditated death and that they planned on calling it self-defense it and that if that case that arizona's could be bring those charges but there's not a statute of limitations on those charges and they're not going to bring them until they until they see what happens in idaho oh okay and she's not getting out of jail if there was any chance she was getting out of jail well then arizona would come and bring their charges up probably right but arizona knows that they 
that there's a good chance that Idaho is going to convict them and send them to jail for life. And there's no reason for Arizona to spend the money to convict her yeah. in Arizona. Okay, that makes sense. So Chad Daybell may be, may be found guilty on his own, in his own trial, his own punishment. I They're not going to be tried together. I find it highly unlikely that he wouldn't be found guilty. He will be found guilty. What right. he'll be found guilty of is the question. I, I do think he'll be found guilty of his wife's death. I think that will he definitely will, and I think he'll be found guilty in the co- the conspiracy on those other on the children's deaths. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, when do you expect Chad Daybill to? When does his trial start? Though, well, why hasn't has it started? a right to a speedy trial? Right, which um, usually has to do with 180 days from the time you were charged. But the defense can waive the speedy trial with the court's permission for things like further discovery, mental health evaluations, you know, whatever, whatever. But I imagine we're going to see that go to trial within the next year. Oh, okay. So within the next year, Chad Daybill could be could be on trial. Right. Okay. But he's in jail until then. Yeah. He's being held without bond, and yeah. and and that's how it should be. It's just such a weird, sad story, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, killing your kids and killing each other's spouses and winding up in Hawaii and acting as though nothing happened. And, is just and believing weird. that you are the like God. Like that you are, there's the doomsdays coming and that you are, are the leader. And yeah, you have the, all the knowledge. You have all the power right. and that God has told you all of these things and that you're part of the chosen. It's crazy cult-like behavior. It's crazy. It is. It is. Also in the news, let's go to Glendale. The city of Glendale is trying to stop a growing number of panhandlers across the city. Uh, the city council unanimously passed an ordinance prohibiting panhandlers. Specifically, it makes it illegal to ask for money in an aggressive manner, quote-unquote. Right. You cannot outlaw panhandling, in fact. The, <laughs> did, you, did you know that? It is a, you have a constitutional right to stand and ask people for money. So what did the city of Glendale do? So what cities do, and Scottsdale's done this as well, is that you don't have the right to aggressively like ask people for money, get in their face, knock on their car windows. Okay. Um, you, but you have the right to stand there with a sign asking for money, but you can't knock on car windows. Okay, so you can hold a sign. So really, all all of these city ordinances are trying to do is to stop people that walk along the cars and knock on windows. Okay. But you can't stop people from panhandling. They have a right to do that. Even though it's city property, let's say, they're on the corner, you know, they're, they're it, on the corner of Camelback. Pub- it's, pub- it's a public right-of-way. Okay. It is, if they were on private property, you could say, yeah, you can kick them off private property. But in a public right-of-way, unless they're causing some kind of safety hazard to traffic, which means they could say you can't panhandle on the 51. And that would be totally legit. That would be legal. Yeah. I mean, in fact, you probably can't because you're not allowed to be a pedestrian on the 51. That's right. But just, but standing on the those um, islands in the middle, like where the stoplights are, and, 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 and asking people to give you money with, with a sign... You can't stop people from doing that, but you can right. stop them from being aggressive, including like knocking on windows. You know, that kind of thing would be something that then the police could could stop right. you from doing what you're doing. This is the city of Glendale's ordinance. Uh, you are not allowed to ask for money in an aggressive manner in a public space, in a public bus or bus stop, within 50 feet of a bank, an ATM, or a check cashing business. It also prohibits people from asking for money within 25 feet of the entrance or exit of any business or private property. People also cannot cross into the road or on unmarked sidewalks or stand in the median. So there, there's... And I think keeping people out of the median is is a, sa- a public safety concern. Yeah, right. 
But you, but we've seen people. We saw people do this in Phoenix all the time, where they stand in the median and walk slowly as you're waiting to make a left hand turn. Right. So taking them out of the median, it's. Pro- I mean, I think that probably legitimately is a safety concern. But again, you can say you can't do it from in, within 50 feet of an ATM or 25 feet of a, the entrance to a business. Why? Because people don't want to walk into a business if there's somebody standing out there with a sign that says, you know, right. homeless vet or whatever. Yeah. They feel like they feel like that is an element that they're trying to avoid and it and it harms the business and doing it near an atm is like people will don't even want to use the atm if there's like homeless people hanging out by the atm that seems that you know that it would be a, that would be a safety concern for the person using the atm yeah so they're really protecting businesses that are that have concerns about about what how panhandling has affected their particular business without outlying panhandling altogether uh you want to hear something crazy that i just found out What's that? That uh, Jerry Wires is still the mayor. I thought he wasn't the mayor anymore. I thought that was a long time ago. Remember we met Jerry Wires? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I can't believe he's still mayor of Glendale. Well, you know, Glendale, they just get a mayor and they just keep him until they die. I guess, yeah. <laughs> remember their last mayor before him died? Oh, what, that's right. What was her name? I uh, can't remember her name. Elaine Scruggs? Yeah, right? Yeah. They just keep them till they die. Yeah. Jeez. I don't know. Um, also in the news, uh, this th- there's this longstanding, I guess, um, polite way of saying, I want to debate you, but I don't want to do it in public. The Clean Elections Commission has postponed a scheduled Q&A with Carrie Lake. That would have aired Wednesday night on PBS. The move comes hours after Katie Hobbs's campaign announced it has agreed to a 30-minute interview with Arizona PBS. So Carrie Lake and Katie Hobbs, Katie Hobbs will not, she will not uh, debate Carrie Lake person to person. And that's because Katie doesn't want to or Carrie Lake doesn't want to? Because Katie doesn't want to. Katie says all she's going to do is spread lie after lie after lie, shouting me down. I don't need that. I don't need the hassle. Well, Carrie Lake hasn't run the cleanest sort of campaign. Right. And there's a lot of uh, inconsistencies in what she's stood for in the past and what she stands for now. And, and And she is a person who basically doesn't allow anybody else to speak, which we... You know, who else do we know that did that Trump that yeah, she's like, right. where it's like, I'm on stage. And if you if I disagree with you, I'm going to interrupt you during your time. And I, I wouldn't want to debate her either because she's not she's not cordial and polite. And, and that's not it doesn't do anybody any favors. It makes you look flustered. And so just declining. Well, declining that doesn't make you a bad politician or a bad person. It means that you're looking out for your own interest and you're like, look, there's nothing good that can come of this. She's a she's she's a rude person. Hobbs previously turned down the debate opportunity against Lake in part saying that it was out of fear of the debate being disjointed and light on policy. Yeah. So because it's never really about the issues with Carrie Lake. It's really all about her voice is the only voice that she wants to be heard. Right, right. So you you don't mind that Katie Hobbs won't debate Carrie Lake? Right. I think she can answer the same questions that Carrie Lake answers, but answer them outside of a debate-type forum because Carrie Lake has shown us that in the debate-type forum, she could not be a cordial, polite, following the standards of normal debates. Right. See, I just think it makes Hobbs look weak. That she doesn't want to take on Carrie Lake. Let Carrie Carrie, Lake talk. That's what Carrie Lake would say. Right. But let Carrie Lake talk and let her hang herself. Yeah, but then Carrie Lake doesn't let let Katie Hobbs talk. And then it makes Katie Hobbs look weak. 
because because Carrie she Lake, can't get a word in edgewise. Yeah, because Carrie Lake just keeps talking over the top of her. But then it's up to the moderator. Yeah, and, to and make you know what? Stop. You cannot trust the moderator to save you. Yeah. Okay. Hillary Clinton would tell you that. That's true. Yeah. That's true. So she's. I think she's making the right decision. That's Take just, all the interview requests that come come your way, but to say no to the debates. Okay. So no debate, and that's fine. But that's for the governor. I mean, that's uh, that's an important election. It is, it is an important election, and unfortunately, you know, Carrie Lake won the primary and and may become the governor. And man, talk about a loose cannon governor. Yeah. True. She would definitely be, her and Jerry Wires would be like a pair. Right, that's right? true, yeah. Yeah. That's just some of the news this week. Thanks, Cricket. Thank you, Mac. Are you a patron on Patreon? Are you getting a bonus episode of Mac Watson Talks every week? If not, you're missing all the stories of what's going on with the Watsons and crazy stories about our childhood. What are you missing? Well, here's just a snippet. Oh, and I said no. I don't want any weirdo whack job with a with a bad you know whatever. I don't want that. So they got me a doctor in Billings. Want to hear the rest? Go to patreon.com slash macwatsontalks. That's p a t r e o n dot com, and sign up today for as little as five dollars a month. You get four bonus episodes, a episode every week of us talking about ourselves. What could be better? That's patreon.com slash Talks. Time for the SmackDown. And this time I'm smacking down Alex Jones. I don't know whether you've been keeping up with this case or not, but a jury in Connecticut this week ordered InfoWars founder Alex Jones to pay $965 million in damages to the families of eight Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting victims and to an FBI agent for falsely claiming that the December 14th, 2012 massacre in Newtown was staged. The six-member panel took three days to return its unanimous verdict at Connecticut Superior Court in Waterbury, which is about 20 miles from the school. Compensatory damages for defamation and slander and emotional distress, past and future, per plaintiff, reads off like this. Robbie Parker, father of six-year-old Emile Parker, $120 million. David Wheeler, father of six-year-old Benjamin Wheeler, $55 million. Francine Wheeler, mother of Benjamin Wheeler, $54 million. Jacqueline Barden, mother of seven-year-old Daniel Barden, $28.8 million. Mark Barden, father of Daniel Barden, $57.6 million. Nicole Hockley, mother of six-year-old Dylan Hockley, $73.6 million. Ian Hockley, father of Dylan Hockley, $81.6 million. Jennifer Hensel, mother of six-year-old Aviel Richman, $52 million. Donna Soto, mother of 27-year-old teacher Victoria Soto, $48 million. Carly Soto Parisi, sister of Victoria Soto, $66 million. Carlos Soto, father of Victoria Soto, $56.6 million. Jillian Soto, sister of Victoria Soto, $68.8 million. William Aldenberg, FBI agent and first responder at Sandy Hook, $90 million. Erica Lafferty, daughter of the 47-year-old Sandy Hook principal, Dawn Hawkspring, $76 million. And William Sherlock, husband of 56-year-old school psychologist Mary Sherlock, $36 million. Attorney's fees for the plaintiffs will be awarded at a later date. 
Jones, who testified in person at the trial late last month, was not present in court. He was hosting his InfoWars show live as the verdict was being read. Ain't going to be happening. Ain't no money, Jones said. I killed the kids, folks. That's what they think. He also vowed to appeal while asking viewers for donations. Now remember, I'm in bankruptcy, Jones added. The money you donate does not go to these people. It goes to fight this fraud. Man, this guy just doesn't get it. And that is the SmackDown. You hear the music, you know what that means. It's time for the last word. Armed with only a finger gun tucked under his shirt. Let me start that again. Armed with only a finger gun tucked under his shirt. A Florida man yesterday robbed a bank, but was arrested within 10 minutes of pulling the $120 heist, so says the police report. According to investigators, Paul James Sinclair, 56 years old, entered a Chase Branch bank in Seminole, Florida, about 1.25 p.m., and approached a teller named Desiree Stefanik. With his hand under his shirt, cops charge, Sinclair made the shape of a gun with his finger and demanded that Stefanik hand over cash. Sinclair also advised her not to push any buttons as he waited for her to open her drawer. After the bank employee handed over $120, geez, really, that's it? Sinclair fled the crime scene. Sinclair, whose cops described as a transient, was arrested at 1.36 p.m., 10 minutes after he robbed the bank and was charged with the robbery. He's being held in county jail in lieu of $10,000 bond. Well, I don't think he's going to make it, do you? Uh, Not unless he robs another bank. Until next time. Thank you for listening to Mac Watson Talks. This episode is copyrighted and may not be reproduced in whole or part without express written permission. For more information to become a sponsor or to schedule an upcoming appearance by Mac or Cricket or both, visit MacWatsonOnline.com. That's MacWatsonOnline.com. Connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, or Patreon, and leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you hear, share us with your friends. We love new listeners.